Hey there, food biz whizzes, and come on in. This is the first episode of season three of the Food Biz Wiz podcast, and in a way, I can hardly believe it. I have had been dreaming about having a podcast for years before I started in the summer of 2019, and I am so glad that I finally took the leap. We have an exciting season ahead of us, and it includes a few special guests covering topics like crowdsourcing and how to run a killer Kickstarter campaign, how to survey your target audience from a consumer insights expert who works with big brands like Pepsi and Disney, how to innovate from a brand founder who has won 17 specialty food awards, and much, much more. But I'm curious, what do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? I'm always interested in delivering content that resonates with you my loyal listeners, right? So let me know. The easiest way to get in touch with me is directly on Instagram. My handle is it's Ali Ball, and you can tag me in a post or send me a DM. Let me know what you want more of, and I will deliver it. I am going to kick off season three today in the same exact way that I kicked off season two, a rapid fire episode where I answer questions that were submitted from emerging brands in our Food Biz Wiz Facebook group. If you're not in that Facebook group, what are you waiting for? I'm going to link it in the show notes so you can click on through after you listen to today's episode. So today we're going to talk about getting feedback from grocery buyers, category reviews, sell sheets fancy food show, e-commerce, and brokers and distributors. So keep on listening and let's get to it. You're listening to Food Biz Wiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Ali Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. This episode is sponsored by Retail Ready, my online course for emerging food brands who are looking to grow their wholesale business. I've been teaching Retail Ready for three years, and I've had over 150 brands enroll in the course. Through videos and workbooks and checklists and templates and live coaching calls with me, plus 24-7 access to me and my team in our private online group, Retail Ready has all the tools that you need to increase your sales through wholesale accounts, whether that's in traditional brick-and-mortar outlets or through e-commerce platforms. I'd love to see you join us when the course opens again. So jump on the wait list to be the first to know when I welcome new students. You can find that wait list in today's show notes or at foodbizwiz.com under the heading retail ready. Okay, you guys, you know the drill on the rapid fire episodes. I'm going to give you advice off the cuff and super fast so you can make forward moves in your business right now. Here we go. First question that I got, I've heard that I should get feedback from grocery buyers before I launch my product. How do I do that? I love this question. And I actually have to admit um, that this, this person asked me not to use their name. So I hate to be the person who breaks this news to you guys, but buyers don't have time to give feedback on products, on your packaging, 
and on your pricing. So sure, every once in a while, you will get a buyer who's really invested in your success and they will help you out, but it's pretty rare. So here is what happens when you bring a half-baked idea to a buyer. They move on to the next brand. I mean, think about it. They get dozens of pitches a week. And which would they rather do? Put a brand on their shelf that is fully fleshed out and ready to drive sales in that category or one that they need to handhold? I think about this from my time as a grocery buyer, and I think about all of those fantastic brands that were right on the cusp of being ready, but still needed to dial in a few things. Every once in a while, I would have the bandwidth to support them and make sure that they tweaked a few things for my shelves. But the vast majority of times, I was in the middle of a busy season. It was the holidays. I was hiring new staff and occupied with that. Whatever it was, I didn't have time to support and handhold these brands. So you want to make sure that you are putting your very best version of your product that you can in front of that buyer so they don't feel like you are going to need a lot of help from them or be high maintenance. I think that this is one of the reasons why this topic comes up so much in Retail Ready, in my online course. So emerging producers, you guys, you want a grocery buyer's opinion on what's going to work on the shelf or what to avoid, but you can't get it from a current grocery buyer, right? So often my students will turn to the next best thing. That's me, a former grocery buyer and head of grocery, and they turn to their peers in Retail Ready who have gone before them. So I'll ask you this, where can you get advice on your packaging or your product or your pricing from someone who is close to a grocery buyer or someone who can give you that perspective, right? That's where you want to start asking. Okay. Question number two. I told you guys this was going to be a rapid fire. This is going to be a quick episode here. Okay. Number two, I missed my category review. This comes from a beverage producer who I love. Um, So I missed my category review. What should I do? Okay. So for those of you who are listening who don't know what a category review is, it is a specific time of year when your category is assessed. So a category is a grouping of like products. So beverages would be a category. Sparkling beverages might be its own category. Chocolates is its own category. Granola is its own category. Canned fruits and vegetables, its own category. So any like grouping of product. And typically, larger stores start doing annual or quarterly category reviews where they assess your category and they determine on a set schedule what products they will discontinue and what products they will bring in. So you might find that you reach out to a potential wholesale account and they tell you, oh, I'm sorry, (laughs) we just did your category review, reach out next year. What do you do then, right? That's what this question is all about. So if you missed your review, I want you to still follow up with your very best pitch. Why Why would you do that? It is because you need to give that buyer a reason to make an exception for your brand and to bring you in regardless of when that category review is. 
So you might think that this isn't possible, right? You get that no from a buyer. No, sorry, we've already reviewed your category. Please reach out next year. But I will tell you, I have seen countless Retail Ready students get put into planograms outside of category reviews because their pitch was solid enough. Don't give up here. Again, if you get a come back later, pitch to me next year, no, right, not, no, not right now, get back to them with your most solid pitch and convince them that they need to make an exception for your brand. Okay. It happens. I want it to happen for you guys. So moving on from there, you want to make sure that you're noting their review schedule for next year and have a system for tracking it and making sure that you are following up in on the appropriate timeframe. Oftentimes you can figure out category reviews simply by going to wholesale accounts websites. All right. Number three, how should I prepare for fancy food San Francisco in January. Okay, Fancy Food San Francisco is coming up really soon, and I love this question so much. But instead of answering it on this episode, I'm going to give you something better. I am going to refer you back to two other episodes that are all about trade shows. First, episode number six of the Food Biz Whiz podcast which I'll link in the show notes, is an SOS trade show plan episode. So if you're sitting here, you know, first, second week of January, listening to this episode and thinking to yourself that you are not ready for the good food mercantile or fancy food or heck, even Expo West that's coming up pretty soon, you want to make sure you listen to episode six of my Food Biz Whiz podcast. Again, I'll link that in the show notes. and then. I've got to tell you about another episode that I did on my other favorite food business podcast, Real Food Brands. So I did a full episode with a fellow food industry consultant, Katie Malezova, and it is episode number 25 on her show. And again, I'm going to link it in the show notes. That was a great episode where we talked about uh, trade show tips to maximize success both at the show and after the show. So you're going to want to listen to that. I feel like I have too many tips and resources to give you um, to just answer it in a 90-second response here on this episode. Okay, I've got three more questions for you guys. Number four. What is a sell sheet and why do I need one? So if you hear this question and you're like, oh, I already know what a sell sheet is. I've been using my sell sheet for years. Like, I'm going to pause this podcast episode. I'm going to have you stop because I will tell you one of the most common mistakes that I see in the food industry is brands who have been in business literally over a decade who have really mediocre sell sheets. So you might have one, but I'm going to ask you is if it's the very best version that it could be. So a sell sheet is a glossy, double-sided printer, like computer size paper, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, paper full color that talks about 
all of the things that gives that buyer all of the information that they need about your brand in order to make a decision on your product line and place a first order. So you want your sell sheet to convey your brand story when you are not there. Okay. So one of the most common mistakes that I see is that brands have just made it as a Word document. Um, or brands have made it a little bit designy, but it's missing key information. Again, I want you to go back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this episode. You have one chance to make a positive impression on that buyer. Otherwise, that buyer is going to move along. So you want to make sure that your sell sheet is absolutely show-stopping, that it Represent, represents your brand so well and that it is beautiful. You want to make sure that it has exactly the right information that you need in order to, to have that buyer make a decision about your product line. So let me use another example here. So say you have just celebrated the holidays. I just did. So say you're looking under the Christmas tree and you can have your pick out of any of the presents under the tree, and you're going to give it to someone else. You're going to choose a present for someone else. Which would you pick? The one that is wrapped with a beautiful bow and looks professionally done and is super thoughtful, or the one that's just tied in a crinkled plastic bag? I mean, I know which one I would choose and which one I would pick up, I would place a bet that the beautiful one would be a safer choice. I know that's kind of a silly example, but think about that with your sell sheet. That buyer sees dozens of sell sheets every week. You want to make sure that yours is the one that stands out in their mind. If it's just okay, but not spectacular, it's time to make some changes to that sell sheet. Okay. Like I said, Two questions left at this point. Number five, how do I find a good broker or distributor? I will tell you, I get this DM from (laughs) producers probably three or four times a week. Everybody wants to know, everybody wants to know my secrets on finding a good broker or distributor. So I would, I've got a few pieces of advice for you guys here. First, you're going to want to ask your existing accounts who they work with and who they love. Which brokers and distributors do they love? It is really important to remember that not all brokers and not all distributors work with all stores. So if there is a particular account that you love and you want to maintain that relationship with, you've got to make sure that you are selecting a broker or distributor with whom they already work. So find your most trustworthy buyer, your favorite buyer, and simply ask them. Say, I'm thinking of picking up a broker or distributor this year. Do you have any who you really love who might be a great fit for me? If they truly love their broker or distributor, they should be more than happy to make that recommendation and potentially even make a connection for you. From there... I would remind you to ask your fellow food entrepreneurs. And certainly, like while your your peers may not want to give away their secrets of who they are working with, 
they will definitely tell you who to avoid. And that information is you know, potentially more valuable than who you should be working with, right? So ask your fellow food entrepreneurs. And then two other suggestions for you. I want you to keep your eyes open at trade shows, especially as we come into trade show season here. So at Fancy Food, at Expo West, you'll you'll see brokers walking the floor and it is the perfect time to start networking with them. And then finally, here's a sneaky way (laughs) that you probably haven't thought about it. probably haven't thought to use this technique. So oftentimes stores will list the distributor or the broker on the physical shelf tag in their stores. And so this comes from an old way of doing inventory management and, and ordering and receiving, but you might still find in stores, especially smaller ones, that they have the broker or distributor actually listed on the printed out price tag on the shelf. So if you have brands who you really admire and you want to know who distributes them, I would go to their go to their spot on the grocery store shelves and see if it says it on the tag. So obviously this won't work in every single grocery store, but I promise you that if you start reading those tags with a little bit more attention. If you pay attention to those tags, you will get a lot of information off of them. Okay. My final question for today. This is, gosh, I was about to read that other one. How do I find a good broker and distributor? No, we already did that. So number six, should I pursue brick and mortar stores or just e-commerce? I've heard that e-commerce is cheaper and faster. Okay, I said that I get that broker distributor question the most, but the e-commerce question might actually be the question that shows up most often in my inbox. So I am ending with my favorite question. As you guys all know that I am all about a multi-channel approach. So what do I mean by that? Go where your audience is and make sure that you are showing up in all of the possible channels where they shop. So it is really important for you to stop before you make a decision on channel, stop and understand the trends and the habits of your audience. If you make, for example, a sparkling beverage, where does your audience currently buy their beverages? Say you make a sparkling beverage in a glass bottle. Where do they currently buy their their beverages in glass bottles? If it is not directly from producers' websites or not directly from Instagram, you might think twice about pursuing that route. It is really, really hard to change shopper behavior. Okay, so we see this time and time again with brands about where brands have started online and decided that they are going to start pursuing brick-and-mortar opportunities. So I have a few examples for you, and I'm going to read you a quote. So the first one is from Everlane, the ethical clothing company. So Michael Pressman, who is the founder of Everlane, swore that his online clothing company would never have a brick and mortar store. So I have have a quote from him from the New York Times in 2012. He said, 
we are going to shut the company down before we go physical retail. So then I will link to that article for you guys. So then five years later in 2017, he opened retail stores because that is where his consumers were shopping. The same goes for Quip, the toothbrush company who swore that they were direct-to-consumer only, but who I spotted in the airport last month. And then what about Allbirds, the wool shoe company who started online and finally decided to open a flagship store? If you want a food example, I like looking at Magic Spoon, a cereal brand who launched direct-to-consumer, thinking that their audience was ready to buy directly through social media and their website. And sure enough, they were right. They had inventory problems at the beginning. They Their audience wanted to buy so quickly that they were going perpetually going out of stock. But they decided that they wanted to connect with their audience in a physical location as well. And they're now pursuing wholesale accounts. I also think about Hungry Root, who finally opened a store in New York instead of staying solely direct-to-consumer. They made that move in 2019. So in any case, I I don't give you these examples to prove that you shouldn't be online. I give them to you, I give them to you to show you that things can shift. It is okay to start somewhere and to add in another channel. I mean, in fact, I think that you should at the end of the day. You want to connect to your shoppers wherever they are, whether that's online or in person or a combination of both. Okay, whew, that really was rapid, rapid fire. So I want to know what did you think of a 20 minute episode? Typically, my episodes are a little bit longer, pushing that 30, 40, 50 minute mark. So tell me over Instagram reach out to me and tell me what you think about the 20-minute episode. I want to know if you like something that is so short. Okay, so that's what I've got for today, my whizzes. Join me next week to hear all about crowdfunding crowdfunding from Courtney Boyd Myers, the founder of Akua Kelp Jerky. She successfully raised over $71,000 in her Kickstarter campaign, and she's going to share her secrets with us. I can't wait for you to hear them. So have a great week. And until next Thursday, stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.